0: Welcome to the Teaching Ministry at Calvary PSL. Please join Care and Missions Pastor Matt Messiano with the message Not Alone. And so if you grab your Bible and turn to Daniel, like Pastor Mike said, the third chapter. Again, Daniel the third chapter. Once I kind of see everyone looking back this way, I will know that we are ready. Daniel the third chapter. All right, think for a moment. We're finally at the holiday season. So much joy and celebration during these times. Laughter, sometimes colder weather in Florida, family time, amazing meals, gifts, and in the Mistiano household, we have. Holiday soaps and holiday candles. Um, I gotta be honest, I had no idea until Michelle schooled me um, that there were seasonal soaps and candles, or at least in our house there is. Uh, Many of uh, our friends or my friends are super glad that she showed up into my life uh, to help school me on some of these things. I even shared last night, uh, there was a, a stage where I would make sure that my shoes matched my shirt And so many of my friends are glad that she showed up to take over the wardrobe. Um, But all joking aside, I know I'm mentioning a lot of wonderful things, but folks, what is the reality of that for most? I remember seven years ago, I was broken. I was broken. I had a terrible attitude towards life. You know, statistically, the holidays bring two psychological situations, an increase of depression and an increase of anxiety. And you know, both of these can super, um, most certainly bleed into loneliness. And if you and I were honest with ourselves and maybe others, we would know that more people suffer from these conditions. More people may feel totally alone, you see, Pain and suffering is not always visible on the outside. It may be masked with smiles, covered with laughter, and at times when it comes up in conversation, avoided like a plague. Deep down inside, there are people that are suffering with chronic pain, with brokenness, with loneliness, depression, anxiety, Loss of a loved one, battling a health condition. And just because it's not visible doesn't mean that it is not real. Just because it's not visible doesn't mean that it does not exist. But what if I were to tell you that you and I are not alone, that God is with us in every circumstance that we face in our journey. Even when you and I feel alone, we are not alone. And I, I would like to look at the Bible together with you to see a perfect example of this truth that we are not alone. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we talk through scripture this morning, I pray you speak to our hearts. Lord, you know how much I need you, and I pray now that I would completely decrease, God, that you would completely increase, that your spirit would move as it moved in my heart in preparation for this message. Father, there are a lot of good things happening, but there are also a lot of people that are hurting. And so I pray today, Lord, that people would leave encouraged knowing that they're not alone, that you're with us each step of the way. God, thank you for your presence here this morning. And we just love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So the book of Daniel was written in both Hebrew and Aramaic. And the book of Daniel combines the personal histories and prophecies of Daniel during the Babylonian captivity, which took place from 605 BC to 536 BC. And so in chapter one, we learn about Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah being taken captive into Babylon. Now, while they were in captivity, they were equipped for government leadership. Their Hebrew names were changed, Daniel to Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're fast forwarding from chapter one, chapter two, and we're gonna pick it up in chapter three. Follow along with me in your Bibles as we read verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and it's breadth six cubits. He set it up at the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Many believe that this uh, statue was created based off of his dream in chapter two. And so for the sake of time, go back, get a really good commentary and read the book of Daniel. There's so much amazing information in this book but we don't have time to go back. I just wanted to help you understand. Uh, People believe that it stems from chapter two. And so right out the gate, here King Nebuchadnezzar is erecting this golden image, idolatry at its finest. 60 cubits is the equivalent of 90 feet in height, and six cubits is equivalent of nine feet in width. Now we don't have the last dimension to accurately uh, determine what uh, size it was, uh, but my good friend Ethan Jones, our children's director, and I just wanna say uh, we have an amazing children's ministry and I thank God for them. I see my little girl come come back in the last season, uh, super excited about the Bible from what they're learning on their level over in the children's ministry. So thank you if you serve in our children's ministry. So anyhow, Ethan is a math genius and he was able to speculate that it was roughly 3,000 square feet of gold required to wrap it. Um, And back during that time, it was very common to wrap wood with gold. And so it was a wooden uh, image wrapped in gold. And so something unique about this text, uh, on the plains of Dura, there's a, a mound, a rectilinear mound, about 20 feet high, an exact square, of about 46 feet at the base, which would resemble a base for a huge statue. If you look up at the screen here, um, I believe that it would have been put on something like that. Now, um, this picture is in Dura. And so Dura is in modern day Iraq. A little side note, many of you know that I served in the army for over a decade. This picture is significant because for 27 months, I lived in this country, split between two combat tours. I traveled all over Iraq. And now that I have fully surrendered my life to Jesus, I often open up the Bible and wonder, some of these places that I'm reading about, did I walk on these streets? Did I drive on these roads? Perhaps I flew over some of these sites. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't wanna go back to figure it out. Um, I did my time, and um, speaking of that, a few weeks ago, our church recognized veterans. I tell my little girl, uh, every chance that you have to thank a veteran to do that. And so I saw hundreds, between three weekend gatherings, I saw hundreds of veterans stand up at our weekend service, and. I wanna model for my daughter the same thing I asked her to do. And I just wanna thank you for your service to our country if you served in the military. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we have to get back to this story. So, so King Nebuchadnezzar erects a statue in Babylon in, in, the, in the plains of Dura. And so just to kind of give you a little geography, we're in Iraq in our text, modern day Iraq. And we'll pick it up in verses two and three. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up." Now, many, many of you, like, like me, when I saw the word satraps, I'm like, what in the world? Does that mean? And so I got a good commentary and discovered that it was a public official. So kind of what's happening here is everybody who is anybody in the political realm is being summonsed um, to be a part of what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. And so I believe that Nebuchadnezzar called all of these people to test their allegiance. And I really sense that it's a political power play using religion to accomplish his political objective. More on that soon. We'll pick it back up, follow along in verses four through six. And the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. If you look here, there's a big show that's being put on. The horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, a symphony. Fall down and worship. This is what the order, the decree is and it's backed by a threat. You see, King Nebuchadnezzar was power hungry and he's using religious practices for political strategy. I just recently returned from Ghana, Africa, and it was an amazing trip. A little history about Ghana. In 1960, the president, Kwame Nkrumah, had a statue erected of himself in the front of the National House of Parliament. Now now the inscription on the side reads, seek ye first the political kingdom and all other things shall be added unto you. Sounds like a familiar favorite from the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. This king was using religious avenues for political strategy, and uniquely, it only lasted for six years because that statue was destroyed, rightfully so, in 1966, as well as the king. Now, he wasn't destroyed, he was deposed from office, and so basically, the people rose up against him and gave him the boot. And so you see, again, here, political strategy tied into religious practices is a recipe for disaster. It is evil. Another example, 1936, when Herr Baldur von Schirach, head of the youth program for Nazi Germany said, quote, unquote, if we act as true Germans, we act according to the laws of God. Whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer, serves Germany. And whoever serves Germany serves God. Evil men have used religious platforms to accomplish political agendas for a very long time. It's not just King Nebuchadnezzar. But that is what King Nebuchadnezzar has done. Using a political strategy, using religion for his overall objective. It's sad and it's wrong. We'll pick it up in verse 7. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe and every kind of music, all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. It's interesting. At the sound of music, the people fell down and worshiped. Not the play, right? Not the musical, the sound of music. But King Nebuchadnezzar utilized music to trigger that response for people to fall and worship. Folks, music is influential. Here in the text, it was used to rule. My question is, how is music used today? We gotta be cautious about what we listen to Listen to this story. So Elizabeth, my daughter, um, she's excited about being in chorus. She's discovered that she's a soprano, and she walks around the house humming, and it's the cutest little hum ever. She says, like, Lizzie, what are you, what are you humming? And she tells me, I'm humming this song. And so I run over to the computer and I look up the artist. I look up the song and I look up the lyrics and I'm like, cool. There's nothing wrong with this song. But then I looked at the album and I looked at the other nine songs full of suggestive, sexual, explicit content and many songs on this album pointed and referenced satanic, practices parents we got to look at what they're listening to it's our responsibility as parents you know music can be used influentially you got to make sure that the music is the right influence like our worship team man the music this morning was fantastic. It brought us into the presence of the Lord. We were able to give God praise. The worship had a good influence. We have to be cautious about the influence. You see, because here in the text, the enemy used music for evil. Do you think he still uses it for evil today? Folks, we have to be aware Back to the text, verses eight through 12. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you, They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Uh Uh-oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're in trouble. The Chaldeans, you see, they had an issue with these three men because these three men were promoted to a place of high office. Remember, I referenced that in Daniel chapter one and two. And so, so these guys are given position of authority, and these Chaldeans are jealous, causing trouble. Oh, king, look, look who's not here. Troublemakers. Man, you talking, these were God-fearing Jews who refused to partake in idolatry. Wow. Here's the question. Are you, are we? Are we, I'm not exempt. I'm a human just like you, with a sinful nature just like you. I need the Lord every day just like you. I'm not at some special elevated position. I'm at the same spot as you. Are you like Shadrach? Are we like Shadrach? Are we like Meshach? Are we like Abednego? Are we refusing to partake in idolatry? Don't give in to the pressures of the world. Do an inventory in your own heart. Are there things that you're putting before the Lord? Nothing should come before our relationship with Jesus. No one should come in between our relationship with Jesus. Amen. We're gonna pick it up in verses 13 through 15. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? King prideful, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, King Nebuchadnezzar. Man, was he out here just, you better do what I say. Ruling with an iron fist. You better bow down. You better do what I say. Listen to the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love it. The first part, they said, we have no need to answer you they would not bow down. If you look at your note card and grab your pen and jot this down, our God is able to deliver us, but if not, we will still praise him. You see, because God is able, because they knew God could deliver them But what I love even more is the acknowledgement that God might not choose to save them from the furnace or the hand of Nebuchadnezzar because God is sovereign. It is the choice of the Lord. And they knew that. They knew that God was able, but they equally knew that if he chose not to, that they were surrendered to his plan. No name it and claim it came out of their mouth. They didn't name it and claim it. You see, a true display of knowing that God is able to do all things, but if he chooses not to, we still trust him because God sees the big picture. Is God in control? Absolutely. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that. And here's the part that we really need to understand. Sometimes when you and I do what's right, God might not do what we want him to do or hoped him to do. Again, sometimes even when we do what is right, God might not do what we want him to do or hoped him to do. Look at the screen, David Guzik said, we often complain about our rights and what is fair Often, it is better to make a stand and endure our difficulty, leaving our fate in God's hands. Folks, these men did not doubt God's ability. And they also did not claim to know God's will. Sometimes God's plan will be different than what we desired. But if his plan is not what we desired, we don't get to turn our backs on God. We need to stay faithful with the Lord. In our culture today, so many people love Jesus just as much as they love the world and their fellowship with God is broken. These men refused to bow down. They refused to bow down. They are role models for us to look to because when they were faced with hardship, they chose to praise God. They didn't give in to the pressures, to the, to the pressures of the world and the influence. They didn't give in, they took a stand. And so folks, are we doing that in our journey? Do we have one foot in our identity in Christ and the other foot in the identity in the world? We must be set apart. Amen. Listen to Nebuchadnezzar's response to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, nope, we're not gonna do it. and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound in the burning, fiery furnace." You know, there's a great application here that we could take out of this text when we're possibly faced with anger. I don't know about you, but we have potential to find ourselves in situations that we can find ourselves angry. And here's a word of advice. With your note card, grab a pen and write down stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you respond correctly. Oh, Pastor Matt, you don't know about my situation. It's terrible. How about give God an opportunity to help you? I mean, didn't Jesus say John 16:7? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Folks, We have access to the helper. Can't we stop and pray and ask the helper for help? I mean, Jesus said, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna send the helper. You know, being full of fury can be a danger zone for us to flesh out. We can learn from Nebuchadnezzar what not to do. Now, obviously he went very extreme with a fiery furnace, Uh, Culturally back then, it was what they did. But in your own life, you may find yourself upset or angry, frustrated. Nothing worse than responding to one of your kids when you're angry or you're frustrated. Can't we just stop and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us and then we can respond with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self control. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we need to correct our children, but we should be doing that full of the Holy Spirit, Amen. under the direction of the Lord. We have access to the Helper. Stop and help. Stop and ask the Helper to help you. Now, we'll go back to the text, verses 24 through 25. And King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in a haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods." Of course, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He looked in the furnace and he didn't see three, but he saw four. Interesting, they were no longer bound and they were free and walking around. You know, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know that the son of the gods that he mentioned was Yahweh. Of course he wouldn't. I bet you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew at that moment. I personally believe that this is an Old Testament Christophany on your card, an appearance or non-physical manifestation of Christ. And if you wanna take your pen and just write next to Christophany, Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestled with what appeared to be a man, but was actually God. You can also find these whenever you read about a visit from the angel of the Lord. You can find that in Judges 5, 2 Kings 19, and other passages. Uh, I recommend you go to gotquestions.org and type in Christophany to learn more. I just wanted to make sure you understood what took place there, not three, but four. What can we learn from this portion of text right here? Well, you notice when you're with God, you're, you're loosed from being bound. That in the fire, you can walk around in freedom. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced that. Our next note card fill in, and this is just to affirm what I just said, is that Jesus is with us in the worst of our trials. With us in the worst of our trials. Not three, but four. Unbound, walking around in freedom. Earlier, I mentioned that I was in Iraq. I remember a mission where I was in the North Province, a city called Qadisiyah, just north, I guess the simple way to explain is north of Baghdad. I was on a dismounted patrol and we were going from house to house, looking for high value targets, which is a fancy title for the bad guys. All of a sudden, we're getting lit up and AK-47 rounds are being just piled on to where we're standing. And I remember the smell of the ground from the rounds hitting right next to my feet. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember going back to the combat operation base, it's Cobb Spiker um, in M&D North, and um, I ran into this lieutenant. It's funny how God works. He was a Christian, and he was there to pray with me and to celebrate that God was with me at that moment. I mean, in the worst of our trials, Jesus is with us. In the worst of our trials, the Lord is with us. Looking back to every deployment, over 500 missions, there are so many more stories of where God was with me. In the hardest days in my furnace, I am reminded that God was with me, that I wasn't alone. Now, I don't question why I survived and some of my brothers didn't, because I know that God is sovereign. And because I have received this extension of grace, this side of eternity, I'm going to live my life all for the Lord. And I really feel like that's something that we should all do. We should live our lives for the Lord. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Our last fill-in, we are not alone. We are not alone. Last week, Pastor Mike uh, did an awesome message and he shared with us, he mentioned Emmanuel. God is with us. Folks, God, for those of us who put our trust in Jesus, is within us. He put his spirit in us. You know, earlier we were reading that when Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace, he was astonished because He didn't see three, he saw four. Notice God isn't outside of the fire. He's not, it didn't say he looked in the furnace and there were three men and then one guy on the outside. No, he said that he looked in and saw four. You may feel alone. You may feel like God is not with you, but that is the furthest thing from the truth. In your hardship, in your suffering, you need to know that God is with you that you are not alone, that we are not alone in our hardest moments of our life. We have access to the helper. The Lord is with us. At the end of the Great Commission, Jesus says, I am with you always. I am with you sometimes. I'm with you unless you're in the fiery furnace. No, folks. He is with us Always. We are not alone in our present suffering. God is with us. Let's look to see what Nebuchadnezzar does. Verse 26 through 27. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them." Nebuchadnezzar realized that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the true God. The fire had no power over the men. This child had no power over their lives because they were 100% submitted to the power and to the will of God. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good place to be. 100% submitted to the power and to the will of God. Remember, they knew that God could deliver them, but if he chose not to, they were still submitted to his sovereignty. In our hardship, we must remain submitted to God's sovereignty. Not an attitude of, I'm turning my back on you, God. He's with you in the fire. He's not outside the fire, he's in the fire with us. We're not alone. Listen, Life is not always roses and, and sunshine and, and, and scented candles and soap. Let's be, real, let's, be, let's be realistic here, right? Listen, listen. what Jesus said in John 16, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Life can be hard, but good news Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus is in control. Pick it up in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Again, here Nebuchadnezzar is Giving glory to God. See what God could do when you respond correctly? They completely surrendered their life to God and look what God did. Have you fully surrendered to Jesus? Isn't it, isn't it Satan's MO to get people, believers, to bow down and worship idols? To get us distracted? To, to bow down to what the world deems right. I'm sorry, but the Bible is our final authority. We shouldn't be bowing down to these golden statues that culture says is the way to be. We must resist and pursue God. Write this down, Romans 12:1 through two. I will read it for you. Always a good reminder when you're battling the challenges of life, Here we have it, don't be conformed, don't bow down, don't give in to the pressures. When you do, God will show up in a way that you had no clue. You see, because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were settled on the sovereignty of God in their challenge, that's where we need to be. Last two verses, therefore I make a decree This is Nebuchadnezzar. Any people, nation, or language that speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now, God's still working on Nebuchadnezzar here, a little bit, right? And so when you go back and read Daniel, the rest of it, you'll hear the great news about what happens to him and his miraculous encounter, right? Isn't it a process once we give our life to Christ? It's like a process of change, of sanctification. But folks, if we're not connected to the, to the Lord, how's that change gonna come? If we forget who's in the fire with us, how are we gonna endure? We must remember, we must pursue, we must seek the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree, no one could speak badly about God, I love this chapter. I think it's an amazing story and a lot of good reminders. By way of review, we talked about music and musical influences. We talked about the sovereignty of God. We talked about God delivering us. We talked about not being alone, that the helper is here. Helper, help, helper, help, helper, to help us. And praise God for the third person of the Trinity that we have access to the Holy Spirit to help us navigate through life. God is not on the sidelines, he's in the game. He's not, he's not outside the furnace, he's with us in our hardship. Folks here at Calvary, we give ample opportunities for you to get connected, to grow and to invest. We would love to help all people of all ages become lifelong followers of Jesus. And so maybe in the beginning, that whole holiday thing, that's you. Well, join a Calvary group. You don't have to go through life alone. Now, remember this, right? So, so he looks in and he sees not three, but four. So God is with him. But guess what? Shadrach had Meshach and Meshach had Abednego. Community is critical. When I was going through some of the toughest days of my sanctification, which is, by the way, so much work to be done in me, just being real. But what I love is that I was able to lock arms with some other brothers in my Calvary group. So January's around the corner, what are you waiting for? Join a group. Oh, it's awkward. Okay, well, get through the awkwardness and let God bless you through it. Right? Join a Calvary group. If you're alone for the holidays, meet some people. Join us on our next outreach, December 14th. Do what Jesus did and modeled. Did Jesus come to be waited on? Or he came to serve, didn't he? Well, this is your opportunity too. Join our outreach December 14th, serve, and don't be alone for the holidays because then you can meet other people from the church and develop some friendships. Now, the last thing and the most important, do you know Jesus? Are you in the fire right now? And you're like, man, I really want help. I really wanna experience the helper. I really wanna give my life to Christ. I'm gonna keep it really simple like I did last night. I'm not gonna ask anyone to come forward. I'm just gonna ask everyone to, Bow their heads and close their eyes. And here's your opportunity. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you are in the fire of life right now and you need help and you're ready to come to the end of yourself and give your life to the Lord, or if you've turned your back on the Lord and you're ready to come back, all I'm gonna ask you to do is raise your hand so I can see you. I see your hand, you can put it down. Well, praise God. I think it's an amazing thing when somebody comes to the end of themselves and accepts the Lord or comes back to the Lord. You can all pick your heads up and uh, we can celebrate the choice that somebody just made.